How many of you guys are ready to get back and get into the Word this morning? Amen. Can you guys see this okay? Does this light need to be turned off up here? Uh, yeah, go ahead and turn this light off up here. I don't know if it's a bulb issue or a projector issue, but we're going to fix that. Uh, some people want us to have 85-inch TVs up here. What do you think about that? That's a big no. Is what is. <laughs> There's a budget. We got a budget to go work with. Anyway, uh, man, God is good, and we're so glad to be here. Let's pray together before we get in the message. Lord, we thank you that we are able to come and just be together as family. Lord, for those who are sick, for those who are gone, we pray that you would bless them. Bring them back quickly in Jesus' name. Lord, we pray for those who are sick, again, healing upon their families, upon their bodies. We pray that they get to health and they get back to work and they get to do all the things they need to do. Lord, I pray over this message, Lord, that it would stay in our hearts this morning. Lord, that we wouldn't just hear it and have it leave our lives, but we would hold on to it. We would hold tight to it. Lord, we thank you and praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. This morning, we are continuing in our series on Back to Basics. How many know that for a few weeks, we've been blessed by missionaries? We had Christmas things happen. Uh, man, we were blessed. So we had uh, Pastor Dave Ogren at the beginning of the year. And then, of course, last week, we had Eric and Bethany, or Eric Rasmussen was here from Tanzania. We are so glad we can support them as a church financially and with prayer. Amen. We don't just want to support them just financially. We want to support them with finances and with prayer uh, as they are ministering to the various people groups around the world. But this morning, we are going to get back into the back to basics. Back to basics. What does it mean to be a believer? What does it mean to be a Christian? What are the things that we hold dear to? What are the basics that we adhere to as believers? We last left. Uh, we last left off with a message in December. How many remember the last message we pre? Uh, I preached about back to basics. Anybody? It's on YouTube. You can watch it. It's a pretty good one. Uh, what it means to be a living sacrifice. What does it mean to be a living sacrifice? To be an example to Christ or example of Christ in how we live as believers and how we love each other. How many know we're called to love each other, right? Anybody? I heard I heard one right over here. Anybody? We're called to love each other on this side of the church, right? Uh, some This is like, remember Lost, the others? That's them over there, the others. No. Uh, listen, we are called to love each other. None of us are perfect. We all have work to do and to improve, but we do so with the grace of God, first for ourselves and then for each other, right? How many know sometimes we need grace for ourselves? We go, oh, I can't minister to that person because I have things that I messed up with, right? And there's, there's some truth to that. God wants to continually work on us. But how many know that we are called to minister to people? Amen? We're called to minister Christ to people. Say, grace for myself, grace for those around us. I was thinking about this last week. I was uh, driving. Uh, does my view of those I come in contact with line up with God's view of those same people? That's a good question. Does my view line up with God's view? So I'm driving down the street, and I saw someone that, if I'm going to be honest with you, is very annoying to me. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Right? Uh, maybe it's just me. Do you know anybody, does anybody here know anybody that annoys you? If you do, raise your hand. The rest of you are liars, 
right? Uh, the, if, if, how many know someone that annoys you, right? Uh, how many, okay, let's, let's get a little close to home. Uh, how many of you are sitting next to anyone that annoys you? Do me a favor, look at your neighbor and just say, don't annoy me. That's a good one. Don't annoy me. Uh, let's get really, really close to home. How many of you are listening to anybody that annoys you right now? Uh, that would be, oh, there's a few hands went up. Oh, okay. Uh, listen, can I, be, can I be transparent with you this morning? Is that okay? As I was driving down the street and I saw this person, my first thought was, man, this person annoys me. My second thought was my response to their annoyance. I've, I've had a few run-ins with this person uh, that were never great, to be honest with you. And my response to them, because of those experiences, was that I was dismissive towards them. I ignored them. I spoke to them only if forced to. If I saw them in a restaurant, I would hope that they walked by me. How many know what I'm talking about? All right? How many, how many have been sitting in a restaurant and you know how this goes? Oh, my goodness. Oh, I can't get the chair off. Here we go. You guys are sitting there, and you're eating your food, and oh, hey. And that's what we do. Because you saw someone, you go, mm, I hope they don't come this way. Because they're annoying to us, right? And that happens, and you go, well, Pastor David, I mean, you're a pastor. Nobody should annoy you. You should love everybody, right? Oh, hallelujah. Uh, how, many are, how many are wondering who this person is? How many are wondering if the person is in here? Don't shout any names out, please. Uh, listen, let me say clearly, it wasn't anybody in the church. I promise you, that's not what it was. Uh, but it was somebody in the community. And how many know that we are called to minister to the community? Right? How many know we're called to minister to people? Right? We're not called to, I mean, God bless them, but we're not called to minister to cows, right, Gary? I mean, they're called, they're called to minister to us with beef, but we're not called to minister to cows. We're called to minister to people. We're called to lift up Jesus among people. Amen? That's what we're called to do. All people. Not just the people who come to our church. Not just the people who come inside these four walls, right? We're called to minister to all people. So I'm driving down the street. I see this person. I had this thought that I'm annoyed by them. I, I do everything I can to avoid them. And then I was immediately convicted by the Holy Spirit. I didn't hear the audible voice of God, but I felt the Lord speak to me clearly. They are made in my image too. Amen? They are made in my image too. Somebody say, ouch. That's, that's, that's what I felt. We were, how many, we, oh, listen, we're called to minister Christ to people, and it's hard to do that when your heart is hard towards them. It is hard to minister to people when your heart's hard towards them. Isn't that right? It's hard to do that when you avoid them. And it's really hard to do that when you don't extend the same grace to them that Christ has extended to us. If we're called to get back to basics, be an example of Christ, we can't miss out on the call to love and minister to people. Amen? This week, that was, last, that was uh, the last time. And we, I, I paraphrased some of it there, but that was the last message. It was pretty good. I hope you listened to it. This week, we are going to get into what it's all leading towards. 
Last year, for about five months, if you'll remember, I did a series. We went chapter and verse in the book of Revelation. How many remember that? I hope you remember it was five months. So it was a lot of messages. We went chapter and verse uh, to the last book of the Bible, Revelation. And towards the end of Revelation, we experienced together the message entitled, The Return of the King. How many know that there's a king returning? Amen. One day he's returning, and he's not returning as a wimp, but he's returning with power and glory and majesty. This week, in getting back to basics, we are reminded of his return and what it means for humanity. So, the FCA website, if you would go to it, it would read this. We believe, the FCA, just so you're all familiar, Fellowship of Christian Assemblies, who we belong to, uh, it says, we believe in the return of Jesus Christ to consummate his kingdom, in the resurrection of both the saved and the lost, those who are saved unto the resurrection of life, and those who are lost unto the resurrection of damnation. We believe. Now, I'm not going to rehash everything that we went through last year, but let's be clear that Jesus is coming back, amen, and he is coming back for his bride, amen? Revelation chapter 19, the Apostle John shares with us what he has shown in the Spirit. We're going to start in verse 7. It says this, let us rejoice and exalt and give him the glory for the marriage of the lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, write this blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the lamb. And he said to me, these are true words of God. Now, in case you're not familiar with what this means, let me share this joy with you. When Jesus returns, he's coming for his bride, and his bride is the church. One minister said this, they are the ones who love Jesus. They are his followers. Those are, they are those who ache to longingly be with their Lord and Master. They are those who have made a decision to serve Jesus with all their hearts, with all their souls, with all their being. They are the ones whom Jesus cleanses and purifies. They will be a glorious church without spot or wrinkle. In a word, they are holy. He is coming to consummate His kingdom. Say consummate. What does that mean? It's not a word that's used often other than in the context of marriage. To consummate a marriage means that a husband and wife come together in physical unity. Amen? If you're married, say amen. If you're not, say not yet. Come on. Oh, we want to preach on this now. No, not yet. So somebody wants me to preach on this? To consummate a marriage means that a husband and wife come together in physical unity, and the two become one not just physically, but spiritually. Right? That's why, hey, listen, I, I'm not going to preach on this, but let's just have a little rabbit trail here. That is why having sexual relations before marriage is forbidden by the Lord. Why? Because you're coming together. It's not just physically. And the people who believe it's just physically are just lying to themselves. They're coming together physically and spiritually. So now when that relationship is broken off, not only have you broken off things physically, but now spiritually you're ripping things apart. When you enter into a marriage relationship, you want to enter into it whole and pure, physically and spiritually. You see, there's a separation between the things of the earth and the kingdom of God. How many know that? There's a separation. 
The earth is still reeling from the effects of sin. How many know that? Did you know the earth is still reeling from the effects of sin? Romans 8.22 says that the whole of creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth. And he says right up until this present time. Paul is writing to the Romans there. He's saying right up until this present time, nothing much has changed. The earth is groaning. Paul tells us in Romans 8 that creation itself will be liberated from its bondage of decay when Jesus returns. How many many remember there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth, right? How many remember that, right? So that means for Christ to consummate His kingdom means that the kingdom of God will become a reality in the earth. We aren't there yet. Say we're not there yet. But we're getting there. How many, how many know when we're getting there? Soon. You guys know, right? Soon. When soon? Eventually. Near. Soon. We use these words and we go, when is it going to happen? Without getting into all of, into all of Revelation, new heaven, new earth, you know what's awesome? You get to be a part of it and so do I. Amen? If you are a blood-bought believer of Jesus, if you are a follower of Him, if you are serving Him with your hearts, we are part of the bride of Christ. We will be part of His kingdom. The angel is speaking to John in Revelation 19. He says, write this. Blessed are you who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Don't go to that slide yet, Mike. Uh, You are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Let me tell you this. If you have made Jesus Lord of your life, you are part of that bride. Amen? Now, I'm going to step off trail a little bit here. I didn't say those who say a prayer. I didn't say those who responded to an altar call one time in 1984. I didn't say those who said, yes, oh Jesus, I'm sorry, but then just went back to doing what they were doing. Those who make Jesus Lord of their lives. Those who are followers of Christ. Write this. Blessed are you who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. If He is the Savior of the soul, if He's the joy of your salvation, you are invited to see the marriage supper of the Lamb. Amen? The joy of your salvation. There's too many Christians with sour looks walking around. Because there's no joy in their life. I wonder, where's the joy in their salvation? Stop being depressed all the time. Smile. Raise up your head. Raise up your voice. Walk around. Let people know, I've got Jesus in my heart. Amen? Come on, there's too many depressed, down-in-the-mouth down Christians. Just sour looks all the time. Who are you following? I don't know about you, but if you're depressed all the time, you're not following Jesus. Amen? Some people have a condition. I understand. They need medication. I get it. I'm not, dis- I'm not disputing that or downing that. But how many know that we want the joy of our salvation to show through? How many know that if we're, we talk about Jesus, we talk about how good He is, what He's done in our lives, and then we go, well, you know. I joke with the kids all the time. You know Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh? The most depressing cartoon character. In all of cartoon history, just, oh, poo. I'm ready to do myself in any time. And that's what it is. Actually, if you look at Winnie the Pooh, there's all psychological. Anyway, no, I'm not gonna, 
get into every character has something. Anyway, it's a really interesting study. <laughs> but how many know that as Christians, we're called to be have the joy of salvation? What we are seeing in Revelation 19, that marriage supper of the Lamb, that the, the, the bride and the groom, right? That's, that's Revelation 19. It's that day. It's the day, hopefully, we are all in eager anticipation for. Amen? How many, how many got married? Austin, you got married, right? Were you excited for your wedding day? You were, had eager anticipation for it. Amen? Amen. Don't say amen too loud, brother. It's a Christian church after all. How many were in, in eager anticipation for your wedding day? Not just because of what's going to happen physically. Not just because of what's going to happen spiritually. But man, I'm, I'm getting married. Woo! Right, Bryce? Easy, Bryce. <laughs> this is the basics of what we believe. The basics. Some of the various details can be debated and discussed, but don't get lost in the minutia of theology. Don't get lost in the minutia of theology. We believe in the return of Jesus Christ. What that means is that right now, we are in eager anticipation of his return, but it has not happened yet. Say, not yet. If you hear anyone claiming to be Christ returned, you need to lovingly direct him to the police station. Lovingly, don't get me wrong, lovingly direct him to the police station because he is either crazy or he's a con man. How many say crazy? Con man. If somebody comes and says, I'm Jesus Christ returned, say, get out of here. Boom. Right? Lovingly kick them to the curb. Lovingly, right? How do we know that? Because when he returns, there is no doubt about who he will be. There's no guessing as to who he is. He gives us very specific indicators about what he will be doing. And let's put it this way. If someone says he's Jesus and he's not riding a white horse, it's not Jesus. Amen? If he says he's Jesus and he doesn't have the armies of heaven behind him, it's not Jesus. Amen? He is a liar. He's in need of some serious help. And we should lovingly direct him towards serious help. Revelation 19, verse 11 says this, Then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. The one sitting on it is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems. And he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed with robe dipped in blood. And the name by which he is called is the Word of God. And the armies of heaven arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. And he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the wide press of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. When he returns, he's coming back with a tattoo down his leg and a commitment to make someone bleed. Amen. He's not coming back as a wimp. He's coming back as a warrior. This brings us to the second part of the FCA statement. When he is, we believe that he's returning, he's, he will consummate his kingdom. And then this. This is interesting. I don't think, I don't know that we've actually ever discussed this before uh, in church and in, in the time that I've been here for nearly almost seven years. We believe in the resurrection of both the saved and the lost. Those who are saved unto the resurrection of life, and those who are lost unto the resurrection of damnation. Say damnation. Say life. Damnation. John chapter 5, verse 28 through 29 says this. 
Do not marvel at this, or do not be amazed. For an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs, say all. All who are in the tombs will hear his voice. Go next. It says this, and they will come out. Those who have done what is good will rise to live, or those who have done what is good to the resurrection of life, and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. This is something we don't think about very often. Everybody, say everybody, will be resurrected. Everyone will be resurrected. All who have lived for until now and into eternity will be resurrected. Without getting too deep into the weeds about this, it seems clear that we will all be given new bodies, but not everybody will be enjoying them in eternity. Know what I'm talking about? It seems clear that we're all, we're all coming out of the graves. You say, well, Pastor David, how's that going to be? How's that going to happen? For some, there's going to be some, some dead bones that some new muscle and tissue and blood are going to need to come into. For some, they've been cremated. Some, they're going to have to be gathered from lots of different places. How many of you know if you've been cremated, sometimes, you, sometimes they throw you into the wind somewhere, right? Or they, uh, they toss you into the ocean or whatever it may be. Listen, I believe he is the creator. I believe he created the heavens and the earth. I, I don't believe it's that hard for him to bring a body back together. Amen? Don't get too deep in the weeds about it, though. <laughs> it's really interesting stuff. But those who are saved will be to a resurrected life. Those who are not, to a resurrected damnation. If you remember the study in Revelation, you know that at the end, I don't even remember the beast, the false prophet, all those who follow him, they share in punishment. They share in their destruction. Now, I've preached a few funerals. And it occurs to me that nearly every funeral that I preach, the family believes the one who has passed is in heaven. For the most part, right? You'd be hard-pressed to, to, to find, I mean, every once in a while. They, they're like, all right, I see you up there, Bill. Oh, hey, God bless you, Bill. I don't. There's not too many that are like, hey, Bill. Come on, you, you know what I'm saying, right? For the most part, the family believes that the person who passed is in heaven. How many know that, unfortunately, that is simply not true? It is simply not true. We pray, we hope, we believe that they're in heaven. We really want them to be in heaven, right? We leave the judgment of it up to the Lord. But the sad fact is that many will pass away into destruction rather than glory. Why? Because we believe in heaven. And how many know we believe in hell? Right? Some say, well, I don't believe in that. Well, you don't believe the Bible. Come on. You can't just believe the good parts. You can't just believe the sunshine and the rainbows and the puppy dog tails, right? We also have to understand the destruction. We have to understand the hell. We have to understand... It's a gruesome end to the enemies of God. How many know, remember going through Revelation 19, it's a chapter filled with victory. Jesus coming back in all his glory, amen? But we can also see the devastation of those who deny the lordship of Jesus Christ and the ruin of those who reject the gift of the Creator. And there's people that would say, and one minister asked this, how can a compassionate God allow such a thing? How can a compassionate, loving God allow hell? 
can I, can I make it clear to you? Hell was never created for you. Heaven is created for you. Hell was created for the enemy and those who follow him. Hell was, hell was created for the enemy and those who follow him. So people would say, well, how can a loving God allow us such a thing? Because God has allowed us to freely choose whether we will follow him or we will reject him. Are we going to follow the sacrifice? Are we going to follow the gift? Are we going to open the gift? Are we going to receive the gift? Or are we going to reject him? For those who have the question, how can a compassionate, loving God do such a thing? The question forgets that God is at one and the same time a God of love and a God of holy justice. To ask the question is to ignore the devastating consequences of sin. To ignore that which, that which separates us from God. The minister said, we must remember the number of times in the book that God has offered them forgiveness if they were to repent. How many know in our lifetime, God continually offers us forgiveness? Forgiveness, forgiveness, forgiveness. And how many know so often we go, no thanks, we'll do our own thing. No thanks, I'll make my own choice. No thanks, I will choose to follow my will rather than your will. The devastating consequences of sin. He offered them salvation time and time and time and time again. For as long as that was possible, and they rejected him time and time and time and time again. People say, why hasn't Jesus returned yet? I believe he's waiting until the last possible second to have as many people as possible come to know salvation in him. Why? Because he desires to be with us. He desires that no one perish, but that everyone comes to Christ. So he desires. Is that the reality of the situation? Unfortunately, people reject him every day. How many know he offers us the same salvation he offered them? He offers us this salvation. He offers us this opportunity to say, Jesus, you are my Lord. 